Hello, and welcome to the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast. This podcast is for you if you lead people, teams, or organizations. You might be a leader or manager yourself, or you might be supporting the development and success of people in those roles. I'm Anwen Botwa. I'm a leadership success coach, and I'm the founder of Purple Sky Consulting, and I'm going to be your host for this podcast. My mission is to help as many leaders as possible to love what they do. I want to help leaders feel and be more confident, capable and effective so that they build and grow happy, healthy and successful teams and organisations. We're going to explore topics and themes of leading and leadership in a way that you should find helpful for your day to day, but also to support your continuing development. The episodes will be conversations and I'll be bringing you expert guests each time as we explore leadership topics and challenges in an insightful but practical way. I want to help you and the leaders you work with to love leading with some Purple Sky Thinking. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Tara Leach. We'll be exploring racism and how to talk about it with your team. This is challenging, but it's a really important one. Tara and I have worked together on creating a guide to help you have conversations about racism with your team. And there's also a guide on how to prepare for those conversations. We decided to record this podcast episode because we felt it needed to be more than a written guide. We felt that the conversation would bring this critical topic more depth and be even more helpful. We'll cover a lot of valuable insight and practical ideas, which we hope will help you to take action on having conversations about racism with your team. Rather than edit it down, we split this important conversation into two episodes. They will both be available at the same time, so you won't need to wait if you want to have it all in one go. Let's get started with this first part of the conversation. We'll be exploring allyship, representation and safe spaces. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest for this first episode. Welcome, Tara. Hello, how are you doing? It's lovely to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our chat. Fantastic. So Tara and I have worked together for many years um, and then she's helped me put together the guide that's going to be the focus of our topic today and also a previous preparation guide we've worked on together. Tara, would you like to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Sure. So I have Oh goodness, many, many years of experience in equalities. I never quite know how to word it, um, but I often word it when people ask me is a lot of the work I do is I help organizations to kind of not make mistakes around race. It just seems the simplest way for people who aren't kind of in the know to understand the kind of work that I do. And especially when I'm talking to people who are in different sectors. And so, yeah, it's uh, my specialties in race. I have some knowledge in other equalities areas. Um, I specialize in higher education. That's just where I've been for the last 20 odd years. And it's such an interesting area for me, but I'm also quite interested in how other areas work in that space in terms of legislation, in terms of policy and practice. So yeah, that's me. Fantastic. And although we don't technically work together anymore, it was lovely to work together, but we've now continued doing that in a slightly different way and preparing these guides and hopefully some additional support for leaders to really step into this space. So thank you so much for the support that you've given me on that. 
Um, so the guide that we've worked on has been published in September. So depending on when you're <laughs> listening to this podcast. Um, and that guide is how to have conversations about racism in your team. So in that guide, you will find prompts and ideas to make those conversations more effective and an instigator of change. Um, it will also point you in the right direction of the guide that we published earlier in the year, which is around preparing for those conversations, because it is important to prepare for those conversations really well as a leader, not just uh, dive into doing that. So um, we spent some time pointing people in the right direction of knowledge and ideas they should be thinking about to help them prepare for those conversations. So today we're going to be looking at some of those key questions that you might have um, and bring to life some of the concepts that we are covering in the guide. They aren't always easy to explore or cover in a guide. So that's why I thought putting this podcast together would be helpful to kind of get into those topics a little bit more, um, like ideas such as um, safe spaces, and we'll get into that. So I'm going to ask you, Tara, a couple of questions, if that's okay. And it'd be great if you can share your ideas, your thoughts, your expertise on this area. And hopefully you'll find this useful. And if you have any questions to follow up, after what we've shared in this podcast today, please do email those questions to me directly, those follow-ups, any feedback that you have to anwen at purpleskyconsulting.co.uk. So, ready to get started? Absolutely. Let's go. So, first question. What do I do if I see a lack of allyship or representation at our senior leadership team or the senior leadership team that I'm working in in the organisation? Is it safe for me to start these conversations about racism? What's your thoughts on that, Tara? Um, I think it's important that if you see a lack of allyship or underrepresentation, and I suppose we can talk about what representation, what they mean by representation, but if there's, a, if there's a lack of allyship, it's a really good place to kind of start that discussion about what allyship is, what it looks like, um, kind of how it manifests. Um, it might start with self-reflection. I mean, the fact that you are in a position where you are acknowledging it or identifying it, that's a really, really good place to start because those who aren't being good allies, well, they can either be unaware that they're not good allies or they could be very much aware that they're not good allies and perfectly happy that they're not good allies. So I think that's that's important thing to kind of point out as well. I think if you think that there isn't allyship within your team, it's a good point to kind of self-reflect um but also reflect um what the team about the team why that might be if it's one person if it's kind of something that you're noticing in more than one member in the team is this something that the team needs to work on or an individual it it, it, it speaks for me around the culture of the organization as well is this just the way things are but kind of why is that just historical is there an opportunity for change and i know it's a lot of questions but yeah. Asking yourself a lot of questions, you can start to sometimes come up with really simple answers, but also sometimes think of directions that you need to go to find more research and do more. Um, and also, how can you start to change that? Um, a lot of it will be around maybe speaking up a little bit and just saying, why is that? But again, I will talk about safe spaces in a minute. Is it a safe space to do that? And again, if it's not, why isn't it a safe space? If you're particular, if you are the senior leadership team, you should be the ones who are most open to being challenged. So if someone in that team feels it's not a safe space to speak, then there's something deeper that needs to be addressed alongside the fact that 
they're not good allies. And I think just that they're not good allies, it will it will point in other directions that kind of need to be addressed as well. I was just say in terms of representation, um, that again, it can depend on what the senior leadership team looks like. If it is a diverse senior leadership team, that can have a whole host of other issues about that person's level of comfort. Do they feel safe in that space? If it isn't a diverse senior leadership team, why on earth isn't it? Because that's not what this society outside of your senior leadership team looks like. So I guess for me, there's a lot of questions there, but the questions can kind of help you start to understand what action you might need or want to take. And those questions could be quite useful in a way to really get a feel for where that senior leadership team really is by starting to ask those questions of them in terms of, I'd like to start addressing this really troubling subject with my team and we want to have a look at that together. You know, how are you discussing that as a leadership team? Mm-hmm. That quite open questioning of actually asking and querying, are they even having those conversations? Is it even on their agenda as something for discussion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think one way one can do that is if there's another member of the leadership team that they can have a frank conversation with and, you know, have you noticed this? Something I've kind of been picking up on within our team, have you noticed this? And it then you might then be able to address it. If you have an entire team of people who aren't open, that to me, that signals larger issues within how the organization has run itself. You know, take race out of the picture, and I might say that quite a lot today, mm-hmm. is if we take race out of the picture, What's that also? What's that saying? That still says that's that's a, a team that's not working, and that's a senior leadership team that's not working. So that for me would be a, an, an issue as well that needs to be kind of thought through. Yeah, and I think that's where some of that piece around you know is it safe for me to start these conversations as a leader if actually there are issues culturally, generally, whether it's around um, EDI uh, race or whether it's just more generally. So it's understandable why a leader might feel uncomfortable starting these types of conversations if they're not feeling like there's a culture in the organization that actually would be supportive of them starting this. Yeah. Yeah. And through the conversation that might be race or EDI in general, that is the catalyst of those conversations. It, for me, it means that those conversations need to take place on a multitude of levels. And... It might even be that you have to address other issues in terms of how that team is working before you have a more formal conversation about race. Because if they're not working together as a unit, as a leading unit of the organization, just kind of trying to throw in a conversation about race is actually going to do more damage than good. Quite dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, I think, again, where it starts with that self-reflection because you've got to have an understanding of the landscape that you're working in. And that's again, goes back to, is this a safe space to be having this conversation? And if it's not, what's going to make it a safe space? So if we need to do other work as a senior leadership team before we can have a conversation about race, I'm not saying race isn't important and needs to be part, but if you're going to start having conversations about race, you need to be doing it in a safe environment. Absolutely. We'll get into safe spaces in a second. The preparation guides that you kindly helped me with and are worked on alongside me does talk to that point. You know, the team needs to be in a place where you're able to have these types of conversations. And that's important Absolutely. for you as a intact team, 
but also I think looking upwards and understanding, am I going to have the support once these types of conversations start happening, even if my team is ready for it? Uh, yeah. Having a look at that and understanding that is really important. So if you are diving straight into the how to conversation, have the conversation guide, I'd strongly recommend that you go back and have a look at that preparation guide first to make sure that you really are in the right space to do that. Yeah. Thank you for that. So we touched on it there, safe spaces. Yes. What does that mean to you in your work? Well, in my work, we it's, it's funny because in my current work, but in previous work as well, and I kind of started to think about it in my previous role, um, which was leading the institution's race equality charter. So specifically leading work on race equality. And we'd have events, and not just my events, but other events. And they would always say in the blurb about the event, this is a safe space. And that was it. They would just kind of announce this is a safe space. And at one point, someone made a conversation about, well, how do you know it's a safe space? What does that mean? What does that look like? Just by saying it's a safe space doesn't make it a safe space. So I think for a senior leader in trying to create safe spaces, um, I was told about the notion of a safer space, and that's more about the action of trying to make it a safe space for people to be able to speak. But I think it's not just about, it's not something that happens overnight. In creating what is a safe space, people need to feel that it's a safe space. So it's about how are you going to go through the motions to make people feel safe to be able to speak about whatever the topic is in particular environments. Um, so that's about trust and it takes time and it takes effort as well to do that. So that's kind of what I mean by a safe space. It's an environment where people can show up and all kinds of people can show up because you you need to be able to have differing opinions, differing thoughts, differing identities to be able to learn from each other, to be able to challenge each other and to be challenged in a safe environment. So that for me is a little bit what a safe space is or a safer space if you want to say. Yeah, because the reality is, is this is difficult. Yeah, it's not easy to have these conversations. But actually what we want to do is try and enable people to raise those questions that they have or to be able to challenge somebody's perspective or view and for that to be done in a supportive way, but also in a way that maybe kind of unlocks some of the thinking or or some of maybe the bias that's going on or some of the kind of unhelpful, incorrect views that might be sat there or part of what's going on in the organization that's perpetuating the situation. But that does need for people to be able to feel like they can say it and actually in that conversation. Yeah. You made a good point there about the art, talking about the organization is just because you've created this one meeting for people to come and talk, you don't have control over what happens once you know, we click leave meeting. Yeah. People have to go back into their work environment. So there could have been a heated discussion. It doesn't necessarily but there was, but there could have been a heated discussion. Creating that safe space is what says is also about what are you going to do when we stop recording? Or is it that we have conversations about recording, not recording? How can things be anonymous? Um, if you know, we've been using Zoom and Teams for, for three years now. But everyone's name is attached to it. Everyone's face is attached to it. Previously, you could come to a meeting and sit in the corner of the meeting and have a, and, and, and say your views. And no one knows who you are. They know you work at the institution. 
but they don't know who you are necessarily. And again, it depends on how big the team is and how big the organization is. Smaller teams, obviously, are different than larger teams. But when you talk about creating space, safe spaces or enabling safe spaces, it's also about what's happening after that meeting, that conversation that you're trying to create is done. Are you ensuring that everyone in the room feels safe when they leave the room? Because I've been to those kinds of meetings. Um, I remember this years ago at the same organization we used to work at when I worked there the first time. Um, they they had one of those days where we had facilitators come in and we talked about race and there were very few people of color in the in the in that team in that department at the time. And I remember there were two colleagues who after that there was a very heated discussion between the facilitator and one of my colleagues. And after that took place, people were very uncomfortable. Two of my colleagues didn't speak to me for two months. And I remember what I remember when they started talking to me again, I went, okay, I looked at my watch like two months. I had nothing to do with that. I was dragged into that meeting just like everyone else was, but clearly me as a person of color being brought into a meeting, talking to clearly talking to my white colleagues about race, I was the one who was left unsafe after that meeting because they could just shut me out for two months. And you're trying to avoid situations like that. Yeah, it's not just what's happening in the conversation, is it? Not at all. It's much broader than that, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to be thinking beyond just, we're just going to have one meeting and that's it. That's going to yeah. solve thousands of years of oppression and no colonialism and, and everything in this culture. That's that's not how it works. It, when it took The way I often describe it to people is it took time to get to this place. It's going to take time to dismantle the structures um, that we have to, you know, dismantle them, to deconstruct them. All of those things take time. They were very, very cleverly put together to create the society, to create the inequalities in society that we have to the point that they're so invisible to so many people. Yeah. So in order to kind of correct inaccuracies or correct things that have just not been done well, that takes time. That takes a lot of time. And so that's part of the commitment is is around not just saying, this is a safe space. Yeah. Well, what does that look like? Uh, and and there's a and we cover this in the guide, the importance of how you engage people who will have had lived experience of racism in these types of conversations. And I think it's important to be open and actively leaning into that conversation ahead of that. So that you know, they have a choice. <laughs> they have a choice whether they should be in that room or not, or want to be in that room or not, or how they actively participate. Because actually, yeah. it isn't for them to solve this problem. Nope. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's for leaders to step in. If I'm the one being experiencing discrimination, it's not really my role to be the one to go, hey, that wasn't right. When there's so many other people who are witnessing this, who can speak, have the power to speak and also have the power to enact change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything now, if they're scared to if they're scared to do that, sorry, it didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was thinking if there's a fear around it or a lack of confidence around it, then we can obviously we can support you. There is support available to help you to either gain your confidence, to gain your literacy, your racial literacy, 
all of those things can be worked on like every other aspect of your role yeah if there was something you you couldn't you didn't feel you could um do well you talk to your mind manager about getting some training getting some support is that a mentor is it talking to someone external is it you know, me going away doing some research and taking her now even a future learn class or something like that where you're learning the basics. Whatever it is, it can be different for different people. But you, like in everything else in your work, you can develop skills to be better in a particular part of your role. Absolutely. And that was completely the ambition for us in terms of putting these guides together. It's to really help people to look into it and go, actually, I, I could do this. I can do this and I should do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and to start to develop the ability to get into this as a leader and to enable that change. And, you know, those guides are absolutely written for somebody who hasn't experienced and doesn't have a deep rooted experience of racism in their life. Mm-hmm. I haven't experienced that. I have no idea what that's like. But as a leader, I need to be able to enable change in the organizations that I work in and that is about racism as well <laughs> not just yeah, yeah. not just yeah. stuff that's on the to-do list which is interesting in terms of the kind of the next question Rand you mean I was just going to say you mean solve racism isn't on the to-do list <laughs> hey what do you mean it should be it should be and you know there's a there's a recognition there that there's not one conversation is is going to solve it yeah. in your team. Yeah, completely not going to solve it. Yeah, but actually, this is about if we do nothing, then nothing will change. Absolutely, starting these conversations, starting to instigate the conversation happening in your organisation, even if that is just within your team, it is about starting to move the dial and starting to shift things. Uh, if nothing happens, nothing will happen. That's very true. So this is an interesting question next. Why should I do this? It's not on my objectives. Well, I kind of thought about this. And I think there's two ways that I would answer that question is one is kind of the more moral response. Why wouldn't you want to ensure that you're leading an organization that is all your colleagues are respected, that all your colleagues feel enabled to thrive, um, and they're not locked in any way, whether that's in their achievement, whether that's just they kind of come to work and be authentic, whatever the case may be, why wouldn't you want to do that? But also, I'd ask yourselves, if it's not in your objective, why isn't it in your objective? Because your your objective sets out, alongside the goals of the institution, your goals as well. So if this is something that you you feel is important enough that you're going to raise with your team, and potentially wider across the organization, why isn't it one of your objectives? Because if you formalize it, then your own line manager can put supports in place. The organization can put supports in place in order for you to achieve it or make progress on it. So it should be an objective. That's the way I would look at that. I'm not going to answer, it's not on my achievement, my objective, sorry, I shouldn't do this. My, My question is, why isn't it in your objectives? I think that's a lovely way of framing it in terms of actually, if you're meaning to take action here, make it part of the work, make it part of what you're doing. And and this is a way to achieve some of that and to put that focus onto it. Because this isn't just about your team and creating a a more inclusive, welcoming, belonging, equitable team. 
Right. Your work probably touches beyond your team. <laughs> so where yeah. actually are there issues of race broader in the organization? How might that be impacting service users, customers, students mm-hmm. in the case that we had in terms of our working environment? It goes beyond just your team. And it's actually really critical that you're not only looking at this conversation if you have people who have experienced and experienced racism in your team. Actually, if your team is just white, (laughs) it's even more important that you are looking at how you explore this conversation as well, because you're actually, there's a level of underrepresentation of race in your team that needs to be thought about and needs to be considered and looked at. Absolutely, 100%. It's it's part of, well, I suppose it should be BAU. It should be business as usual, that you are working towards these things in your daily work. So then it doesn't, it shouldn't feel like it's, oh, we're having that quarterly session that Anwin is forcing us to come to. Actually, no, <laughs> because if your manager is having, is having it in their objectives, then that will go down to your objectives as well. So then you'll be asked questions, well, what are you doing? You know, well, actually I'm a hiring manager and I've never started to think about my practices for hiring. That self-reflective process can then start to filter down into the roles that other people are doing. And then it doesn't necessarily feel like, oh, this is the race talk again. Oh, this is the race talk again. This this actually becomes, we're trying to become a more inclusive organization. What does that look like? What do we need to do? So how do we do it? It's part of the work. Again. Yeah, it's part of the work. Absolutely. Highlighting and recognizing that. Um, And this is an interesting one in terms of you know, let's let's consider we're in an organization where actually this is high on the objectives and there's a real focus. And as a leader, this is on your objectives and it's there because the organization is saying that this is the direction they're going in, but they don't feel comfortable and they don't know how to handle it. What's your thoughts on where they should start? I would say it's okay. First of all, to be uncomfortable, you know, there's a lot of things we do in our roles that we are uncomfortable with. So maybe think about how you start to approach other areas in your work that you're not unco- that you're not comfortable with. Um, it's about leading. It's about leading in a way that being the example. So that could be around being open and honest about what you're doing. So you mentioned earlier about this is the direction the institution is taking, the organization is taking, um, and what that means. Because a lot of times in our work, we're just told this is that this is what we're doing. And you don't understand why, you don't understand what it's for. But a lot of times, and we know this, if you bring people along on the journey, they're much more open to the journey. People don't like when they don't know what's going on. But people tend to be like, oh yeah, I see a point. So it's around being open and honest, again, enabling stiff spacers to be uncomfortable, to understand that this is not something we're ticking off. This is not going to, to you know, be solved in six months or the next five-year strategic plan. It may shift. It may, things, it may be things that we've done progress on, but it's always going to be part of that strategic plan. Um, I was talking to someone recently when we were talking about leadership and we were talking about race as well. And he made a really interesting point 
and talking to senior leaders and that they're the stewards of this work. So you're in post maybe five up to 10 years as a senior leader. It could be as say vice chancellor in a university or a CEO in a private company or NHS or whatever the case may be. That institution's journey has been around for a long time. It will be around for a long time after you come in and make your mark. So make your mark for one thing. Make it a good mark. Nobody wants to leave a bad mark. Make a nice mark. But you're a steward in that role. So like, I, I think of it like if I lived in an old historic house that was built in the 1700s, I don't own that house. <laughs> that house has been there for a couple of hundred years. Yeah. And hopefully that house will be there for a couple hundred more years. But I have a responsibility to be mindful that the house needs up, it needs up, um, upkeep. It needs maintenance. It needs love. It needs respect. And so I'm there to be a steward of that property, of that house, of that organization or the team for the time that I'm there responsible for it. And I kind of see it like that, if that makes sense. I love that analogy. And I think you you can look at that and go as, as time goes on in those houses, they need change. Yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How we how we designed houses three four hundred years ago are completely different. We had just one first we had one big room, then we had one big room with a hearth in the middle, and then there was no private spaces, and there were no bathrooms and no kitchen. But we've changed how we designed houses to meet the need of the people who are inhabiting those houses. In the same respect, organizations need to change to meet the needs who are inhabiting the people of organizations. Just like a couple hundred years ago, how we thought about the world influenced how we lived. And now how we think about the world changes and all of those things change. So we need to make changes as well to our house and the organization. That's our house and that's our foundations that we need to also change as well to make sure that everyone has a safe space. You've got your bedroom. We have bedrooms now. I can close the door (laughs) and put a lock on it if I need to. But... (laughs) We're making the spaces fit for those who are inhabiting the space as well. And it leads us to actively choose to do those things. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing Actually. nothing will happen by just, yeah, nothing will happen just by saying, oh, it'll take care of itself. Nothing takes care of itself. Absolutely nothing. You can't put a flower out in the backyard and say, oh, it'll take care of itself. You've got to give it care, you've got to give it love, you've got to understand what fertilizers it might need, how often to water it. Some plants need a lot more water than other plants. Some plants need the bright sunshine. Some plants need to be in the shade. So that could also be another way of looking at it is thinking about your team, understanding your team, not just going in and going, I'm going to stick the sunflower in the shade. This is not going to thrive. not going to win. You have an understanding that this seed is a sunflower and it's in the name. It needs sun. You'll have a better understand understanding of how to take care of your sunflower and how to take care of your team and how to support your team and have conversations with your team. Certainly. And back to that point of maybe as a leader not feeling comfortable about getting into that. Uh-huh. You touched on it a bit earlier. It's your responsibility to kind of get yourself in a place where you're ready to do that then. Yep. And that's yep. different than whether it would be a conversation about performance or whether it's a conversation about racism. 
And yes, yep. it's a slight, you know, let's be honest, it's a much more emotional, troubling subject to be having probably than the performance yeah. conversation. And therefore, it's understandable that there might be some nerves and some uncertainty at how to do that. Um, and that's why we've tried to put this guide together to help people to kind of solve, yep, that is yeah. probably going to how it's feel, <laughs> how it's going to feel. But, but that like is, conversation, yeah, it is, it is. And just like conversations around state performance, if you have to have a very challenging conversation with someone, you will be very anxious. You might even prepare what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. But also, depending on that person, you might frame the conversation differently. But usually what happens is particularly the first time you have one of those kind of conversations, you realize either that wasn't so bad or that person's actually quite open to what I said. We've actually been able to work through a performance um, development. It's um, and this it's just, it could potentially be a similar thing. But you will also have people who are like, I completely disagree with everything you just said. I'm doing fine. And in that case, you will figure out how to have the conversation differently with that person. You might monitor the situation. It's no different in the actions that you would take around those other difficult conversations. You may come away going, actually, that wasn't as bad or I, I survived it. It was difficult, but I survived it. Our conversation about race will be difficult, but you will survive the conversation. And that's about the attitude you take towards that, isn't it? Well, in terms of, you know, yeah. if the conversation goes badly and it's, it, it is difficult in that time, it's then about how as a leader you're showing into that space to go, okay, well, how do I now engage that team again around what's happened in that conversation and how we yeah. move on from that? And how do we take the learnings from that if it was because of how it was facilitated or because of how something specifically came up and presented and we didn't know how to deal with it? Um, and that's that's okay too. That is part of the learning as a team in terms of having challenging conversations and if it happens to be that racism is part of you know the the subject that's being discussed there that should be a reason to step away from it actually that's absolutely where you then need to go i planned for that to go well it didn't yeah i have to accept that (laughs) i now have to look at it and go what do we do now to bring everybody back together and have an honest conversation about the fact that it wasn't easy and it didn't maybe go as planned yeah yeah. And that might be you talking to other people. And that's a really good idea is to have people to talk to. Whether it's formal, informal, it could be other, you know, other leaders. It could be friends. Um, I've got one friend um, and she, I mean, she's now um, head of HR at a really large organization in the States. But we also, we started out together and she's got a lot of experience in, in EDI. So we spend a lot of time talking through these issues and it's great that we have each other to be able to speak to about these things that are going on because we understand what's going on and I can I don't have to kind of explain the whole situation. So having someone who might be either in a similar position, um, whether it's either at role level or the kinds of conversations you want to have, um, it could be a mentor. It could be, you know, it could be a friend, it could be family, it could be anybody who will listen, understand, and help you think through. Or even it could be someone who you know challenges you. 
Yes. Well, what do you think was going on? What was going through your head? What do you think you could have done differently? Because having having yes friends is not also always the most <laughs> useful thing. You need people who challenge you as well. Absolutely. I think that network around you is, yeah. is really important. And I think, you know, we touched on this in the, the kind of first question around where that senior leadership allyship is or support or these types of conversations, you know, Make sure you're telling people that you'll start in these conversations, especially if you have a, a an EDI team, diversity inclusion team in, in your organization. You know, engage with them. Tell, yeah. Talk to them about what you're going to do in your plans and see what support they can give you. Talk to yeah. your leader about it as well so that and you know they know that you're embarking on this and that maybe if you are feeling un- uncomfortable or challenged by it, that they're aware of that so they can support you. I think that's a really good idea. Um, there have been a few times in my own experience, but I've also heard this from other EDI leaders in institutions where they have found out something is taking place and it's like, why didn't they come to us? We could have helped them. Um, that's exactly what their role is. And the amount of times I find myself saying, that's exactly what my role is. I am here to strategically help you figure this out. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want to bother you. Like literally, it's in my job title. <laughs> it's literally the job. It's literally the job. Um, so go ahead and call me, send me an email, ask me questions, ask me what you perceive to be dumb questions. Because one thing I do find in the conversations that I have with the institutions I support is a lot of the times what I'm doing is simply giving them permission or confidence to do something that they already kind of know they want to do but didn't think they could do it. And so sometimes I'll say, you know, you can be creative when you do this and think about different ways to do this. Because one thing I do believe is you're not going to get new results with doing the same things you've always done. So sometimes if you have a really, if you're in the right space, you can be a little bit challenging. And I think one of the things when I worked with you that I really appreciated is when we undertook this this self-reflective view of how we were doing ranks in our own organization. You were open to, let's be creative. Let's do things differently. Not all organizations are going to want to do that, but you can at least ask. I always say a closed mouth, it's a very Trinidadian expression. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. If you don't ask, you don't get. So and you've got an EDI team. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, if you've got, got that resource, use it. <laughs> Yes, well, exactly, exactly. I was going to say, if you've got the internal resource, absolutely resource them because they will be very happy to have a conversation with you, particularly if there's a space that we can be a little bit more, let's try something different. It may not work. It may, we may review and think, okay, actually this isn't working or it's working only partially. So let's kind of shift and pivot. And that's another thing. Things don't have to be linear. You don't have to go step one, step two, step three. You can pivot. You can try things differently. You can do a review partway through after a year and go, well, it's not exactly working the way we want it to. So let's try something slightly different. That's all okay as well. The point is that you're still trying. It's not that you go, oh, well, this didn't work. That was... (laughs) <laughs> that was a waste of our time. We're never trying this again. That's what you don't want. And I also think there's there has to be space for you as the leader knowing your team. Mm-hmm. 
And even if the organization's got has set out a step one, two, three, that yeah. you feel comfortable and confident enough to go, this isn't going to work for my team because mm-hmm. of X, Y, and Z. And actually to look at how, like you said, pivot, adjust, so that yeah. it is going to be meaningful for your team, so that it is going to mm-hmm. have impact because there's no point mm-hmm. doing something that you know is not going to work. Yeah. Even if you're being forced to do that, something that you know is not going to work. And I think every leader has been in an organization where they're told to do something. And from the get-go, they know this is not going to work, but I have to do it. So there, there's scope to, even if you have to do something to, you know, it's part of that kind of, um, you're the steward of that space. Mm-hmm. You can kind of add your touch in a small, even if it's in a small way, you can add your touch to something. We've been told to do X, but it, they didn't say we had to do X exactly like this. We can try to do things a little bit differently. And that's the way we're back to bringing the team into this, the solution, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. I, I want us to start looking at how we change the level of representation we have in our team or a particular conversation around, we know that the number of um minorities in our customer base has increased something like that you you know there's a need to lean into this conversation as a result of that and taking action on that is what's is what matters is to at least start having that conversation and make it meaningful for your team so that actually there is an opportunity to go we can instigate change here we can have an impact here by having that conversation and rather than not having that Absolutely. The one thing I would add to what you've just said, though, is thinking of the team again. If the team isn't all white, if there's a there's some there's an extra added step that you need to be careful of in terms of not expecting that person to either shoulder the responsibility or to have all the answers. In a team, in my role, for example, now I am there to strategically support within my team. I'm one of one person in the team of a couple of people. It could be a small team or a large team. So if I'm in a team and it's great that my line manager wants to take this direction and the organization is going in this direction, but that's also not the opportunity for everyone to go, we've got a black person in our team. Let's ask them a lot of questions. Yes, I'm me. I do not represent every black and brown person on this earth. Absolutely. Um, and I cannot answer the question. And that's not a responsibility. Actually, I came to work. My contract says I'm a, you know, I'm a nurse. I'm a machine operator, just like yours. Does. And I can't be expected to solve the world's ills just because I, I'm a particular way. Yes. So that's something that's really important that you can, you're including the team, you're involving the team. And I think it does need to be a partnership with the team for it to work. But be, be mindful of how you're resourcing the team. Yeah. Um, we Whether it's an individual or others as well. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, absolutely. We, we absolutely touch on that in the guide because I give you some ideas about how to do this successfully as well, because this is important. You know, it's it's not the responsibility of those who have been subject to racism and continue to be to be the people that fix this. Um, no. or uncover it or help you with your learning. If you don't know enough about yeah. it, you know, that that is on you to go away and yeah. explore and understand. 
Um, yeah, and giving anybody in that situation the freedom to choose how they want to be involved in those conversations. And that might shift and change, but ensure that they are fully engaged in what's happening and aware of what's happening and give them some um, opportunity to decide how and that that might change at different points as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's okay too. So the, that check-in and the conversation about where progress is going to keep that up. That's where we'll leave this part of the conversation for now. Join us in the next episode, which is already available, so that you can hear the rest of our conversation. We'll be exploring the discomfort that comes with this troubling topic, how to handle those who are challenging, the impact of privilege, being a leader of colour, and how to keep your focus on leading this change. A big thank you from me to Tara for sharing her expertise and insights during this conversation. And I hope you'll enjoy part two. And finally, thank you for joining this episode of the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast. You'll find all the resources and links mentioned in the show notes. If you love this episode, share it with others who you think would find it helpful in their leadership role. I'd love for you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if we've earned it, why not give us a five-star review? That would be incredible. I'm Anwen, your host. And I look forward to welcoming you back very soon to the Purple Sky Thinking for Leaders podcast. Bye-bye for now.